Broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University, it's 88.7 WLUW, Chicago Sound Alliance. The Bears. The Bears. Thrilled to be here. Thank you for joining me every Sunday morning at 11 here on 88.7 FM WLUW. Got an hour uninterrupted of your favorite small town kid. Go to the Loyola Phoenix, Nick Schultz. I know Sister Gene pretty well. I think he's the sports editor there. He is. Right? He's a sports he's editor. Yeah. Sports good, columnist, sports writer. And, uh, and there's a, there's... I'd be lying if I said I wasn't watching baseball in class. Nick Schultz, who is a, a rising star in the profession. Our guy, Nick Schultz, covers Loyola for the student newspaper there, the Loyola Phoenix. I have to keep pinching myself <laughs> and asking if this is real. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm a poor, starving college student, so I would say I was physically here, but I wouldn't say I was mentally here. We've made it to Wild Card Sunday. The Bears and the Saints facing off at 3.40 this afternoon. That game will be on CBS. Bears are 10.5 point underdogs, so we'll see what happens in that one. But we are talking playoff football here on the Sunday Sports Shootout on 88.7 FM, WLUW. I'm your host, Nick Schultz, here with you until noon. Excited to be with you for another hour. Didn't think we'd be here five weeks ago. Didn't think we'd be talking playoff football at all for the Bears. But here we are, a lot changes fast in the NFL, and the Bears snuck into the playoffs last week. They couldn't get in with a victory over the Packers, but because the Arizona Cardinals lost, the Bears are in the playoffs facing the Saints today down in New Orleans. Again, 340 kick. It's going to be an interesting an interesting game, I think. I'm uh, not really sure what's going to happen because there's injuries on both sides and players coming back on both sides. But we do have a special guest to help preview that game. That's coming up in about three minutes. Also, in other Chicago sports news, this week felt like it's been like a month long. There's been a lot going on in sports and away from sports, but in sports, the Cubs lost out on a potential reunion. Kyle Schwarber signed a deal with the Washington Nationals yesterday. That's not unexpected that the Cubs didn't try to bring him back for less money, but the fact that Schwarber signed with another team, that is closure. And he's moving on. Also, speaking of moving on, uh, Corey Crawford announced his retirement yesterday. He's been dealing with a couple of concussions the last few years. I was honestly surprised it didn't happen sooner. But I'm really happy for Crow. I, I really am. Like he, Good for him to step away, put family first. So I'll talk about that. Also, the Bulls taking some big steps this week. And they're keeping up with the, with the big guys. They kept up with the Lakers. Granted, they didn't have Anthony Davis. They almost beat Sacramento. And LeBron James had some pretty high praise for Patrick Williams after the game the other night. So I'll talk about that later on as well. And we do have an update on the developing Deshaun Watson situation in Houston. If you've missed the news this week, Deshaun Watson is thinking about requesting or demanding a trade out of Houston. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, Bears? Question mark? But no, in all honesty, uh, I will bring that up in my interview 
with our special guest for this week. And that special guest is Jeff Dickerson of ESPN NFL Nation. He's a good friend of mine. He's also a Loyola TV analyst alongside Jordan Burnfield for some games, not all games, just because during football season, J.D. has to obviously cover the Bears. And in addition to all of this, J.D. hosts game night on ESPN Radio Saturdays, 7 to midnight Central. He was on last night. And we had a really great conversation yesterday. It was 25 minutes long, and I I could talk to him all day, and I, I think I have and we talked Bears, talked some Loyola hoops. It was a lot of fun. I've got it queued up here. And I really hope you enjoy it because, again, this it was a lot of fun to record. And getting the audio edited and uploaded, it, it was a really fun interview. So I, I'll quit talking. So without further ado, here is Jeff Dickerson of ESPN NFL Nation and Game Night on ESPN Radio. Sunday Sports Shootout here on WLUW 88.7 FM. I'm Nick Schultz, and I'm very excited to welcome in Jeff Dickerson to the show. He's the Bears reporter for ESPN NFL Nation, and you can hear him on game night, 7 to midnight on ESPN Radio. And if you want, if you watch Loyola basketball, you see him and Jordan Burnfield call a lot of the games. So probably talk a little Loyola basketball. J.D., thank you so much for taking the time. Happy New Year, my friend. How are you? Happy New Year, brother. It is great to be with you on this busy uh, sports Saturday here. Yeah, we're recording this on Wild Card Saturday. I've got the Bills game up on my TV right here. It looks like it's going to come down to the wire. That's been a, a good game so far. But we're talking playoff football for the Bears, which uh, I didn't expect to be talking about four or five weeks ago. Did you expect to be here? I mean, after they began 5-1, and one, really, there's no excuse. There would have been no excuse for them to miss the playoffs, quite frankly. I mean, I think the, the sad part of this is that they open five and one and bears fans have to spend week 17 on pins and needles. And then the bears can't even do it themselves. They have to get help from the Rams to beat the Cardinals to get in. So yeah, like you should make the playoffs when you begin the year five and one, what you shouldn't do is enter in as the last seed in your conference, losing seven of your last 10 games. So I, I kind of feel like, you know, look, playoff games don't happen around here much, as you know, Nick. I think every Bears fan will be watching Sunday, you know, rooting for the Bears against the Saints. It feels a little hollow because I think they raised expectations in the year that they would have had a better finish than how they finished. And except for that Tampa game, they just haven't beaten anybody really good this season. So how does that factor into them pulling a big upset on the road against New Orleans? It's tough to see it happen, but it is nice, at least the first weekend of, of wildcard football, that we're talking about the Bears and not being like, oh, they fired this person, that person, this person, is that they're actually playing in a playoff game. Yeah, that's what I keep telling people. Playoff football is playoff football. And I, I keep saying the Bears didn't make the playoffs necessarily because they backed in. They're in the playoffs. I feel like there's a difference there with how the season ended, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, you, you, you have to you have to note the manner in which they went in. Now, they have gone to, I feel like, great lengths to, to change the narrative. You know, we heard a lot the last couple of days about, well, we put ourselves in this position. We won three in a row. And that is true. But, Nick, I mean, they beat Houston, garbage. Minnesota, bad this year. Jacksonville worst team in the NFL, and then they get to week 17, which I really thought was like sort of a prove-it game against the Packers, 
and they they get blown out. I mean, it, it wasn't a it wasn't a terrible game. I mean, it was competitive until around the fourth quarter, but then Green Bay shows you just how much better they are. They open things up in the offense, and boom, boom, boom. They score a couple of extra touchdowns. That's what, 35-16 or whatever the final score was. So, yeah, I mean, they there's no question. Like, when you say the Bears, they backed into the playoffs. They actually had fought back to control their own destiny, and they couldn't finish the deal. If not for the Rams uh, beating Arizona, again, the Bears are – our home this week, and, and who knows what would have happened uh, on Monday or Tuesday in terms of changes they might have made. And since we are talking about the playoffs, we can preview the game they're facing the Saints. We'll jump in the Wayback Machine to Week 8. These teams went to overtime. Obviously, that's half a season ago, a little more than that. How do you think these two teams match up this time around, especially with Alvin Kamara coming back from the COVID list? It, it, doesn't, it doesn't seem like the Bears are going to catch too many breaks. I mean, the Saints are going to be without one of their best pass rushers, one of their best offensive linemen, interior offensive linemen. So they're going to be missing a couple of starters, but they are getting Alvin Kamara back. They're getting Michael Thomas back. They're getting C.J. Gardner-Johnson back, who's a big instigator, as every Bears fan knows, in the secondary. He's the guy that Javon Williams punched. He's also the guy that was was taunting Tariq Cohn a couple of years ago, so he likes to run his mouth. And then on the flip side for the Bears, you know, Roquan Smith has been ruled out. So he will not play because of his elbow. Darnell Mooney has been ruled out because of his ankle injury. There's no buster screen because of his concussion. Now, Jalen Johnson, I think, is going to play. But he was limited all week. So once you have – if you've ever had a shoulder issue, once you have one, it's likely to have two and three. And Johnson's had countless shoulder problems. Now another one this year. So you always ask yourself a question with someone with this condition is, okay, he's going to come back. I know he's going to fight to come back. He wants to play. He can start the game. Can he finish the game? I mean, that's what we'll kind of see at tomorrow where things go. I mean, look, the the Bears can win. It's just they're going to have to play flawless football. And they haven't shown that ability against teams that are really good. You know, they can push around the Jacksonvilles of the world and, um, well, Detroit, not really. I mean, they split with them and should have lost both, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, Minnesota, they split with. But, I mean, inferior teams, they can do the job. But to beat the good teams, you can't make critical errors. You've got to capitalize on the plays when they're there to be made. And how many interceptions, Nick, did they drop against the Packers last week? Three? Like, how Something do you like that. You can't beat a team like Green Bay, and if Aaron Rodgers is going to give you three interceptions and you drop all three, like that just can't happen. So um, it's not a great matchup. Uh, they're, they're underdogs for a reason. I kind of feel like most people, and I, I talked to a lot of people nationally, have really looked at this game and, and they're like, it's kind of a, almost a write-off game. I mean, I think the only other team that, that nationally – um, people are less excited about the Bears or Washington because of their record and the fact they played in the NFC East. But that being said, crazy stuff happens. It is the playoffs. You never know. Uh, but I would say going in, again, I can see why they're they're not being picked by many to win. Yeah, I see both. I keep thinking, too, like, yeah, they went to overtime week eight. I feel like the Bears are a different team now. They were – I feel like they were a little more confident back then. That was before the losing streak really picked up. So I, I really feel like 
the underdog this time, like I'm not sure if I'm going to pick them, but I don't know if it's going to be like a blowout necessarily. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, um, I mean, I think I picked like a nine point game. I think the line as of, as of yesterday was 10. I could be wrong. I'm not a, not super up to speed on my gambling. I line. think I that's I the last I game. saw. I think yeah. the last I saw was 10, 10 and a half. It's a lesson for the kids out there. I don't make enough money to gamble. Don't gamble. Uh, I'm gonna. I'll just but, stay quiet on that. <laughs> all right. Well, you you've got disposable income here with all your your vast media empire. You can you can gamble. Uh, but I, but but yeah, I, I I do think they were different back then for sure. Um, you know, again, I, it's almost as if they're trying to will themselves into believing that they are the same team they were that began the year five and one. And I just don't feel that way. I think that offensively they're a little more organized. I think their interior of the offensive line is better. Certainly David Montgomery has been playing much better. And, and by extension of all that, Trubisky has played way better. But last week was like, oh, okay, here was the opportunity to really change perception. And they could not do that. So every time they have a chance to make a statement, they just have not done that. And again, this is a team that lost six games in a row, which in this NFL is almost impossible to do. So Hey, look, look, again, I, I don't think it'll be a blowout by any means. I just don't think they have the firepower. I don't think defensively they're playing well enough to find a way to eke out a victory against the Saints, the two seed. You just hit my next question. was about the defense. Obviously, it was right before we started talking. Roquan Smith was ruled out with his injury. The defense, as you said, hasn't been playing great lately. How do you think his loss will impact things against Saints? Huge loss, Nick. Huge loss. He he's he's been unbelievable this year. Um, I just like he's not, and every game hasn't been perfect, but no one's going to be perfect. Right. He is so athletic. He's done such a great job in coverage this year. They're going to really miss that. I think you saw against the Packers last week when he went out, and Aaron Rodgers saw like Josh Woods on the field, and he was circling him or Danny Trevathan locked up in coverage. Uh, that's a huge disadvantage for the Bears, and they're going to miss him. Uh, immensely, and then you can kind of like carry that over. I think I don't think Buster Screen has had his best year. He has missed some time here, but when you saw Duke Shelley last week, who is a young player who I know they feel like in the future is going to have a role here. You know, Screen might not be. You know, we'll see what they do with, with him and everything. But but you you saw Aaron Rodgers again. He saw that matchup immediately. It was like okay, I'm going to really try to exploit this now. Drew Brees. To be very clear, Drew Brees is a Hall of Famer. He's an unbelievable player, unbelievable career. He is not playing at the level that Aaron Rodgers is playing at right now. They're not seeing the same type of quarterback this weekend. He's still good, though. Good enough and, and savvy enough and experienced enough to exploit the mismatches. So not having Roquan really hurts. Not having screen hurts. And then not having Darnell Mooney, who had an excellent game against the Packers last week who is, is by far their, their fastest player. So now you're relying more on Anthony Miller, who I think Nick has proven above all else to be very unreliable as an NFL player. You've got some great moments, but mostly it's just very mediocre. And there's always some element of confusion in the wrong spot, not on the same page. So now you need a really big game out of him tomorrow in the most critical of games. And uh, that's tough because uh, I think Mooney was on a roll, and he's a real exciting uh, young player. 
And to have him out for the playoff game is very unfortunate. I love Darnell Moody. I have since the start of the year. I didn't know much about him until the season started, but I, I love what I saw out of him. And going back to Roquan, obviously all pros came out this week. He didn't get named to the Pro Bowl. He didn't get named all pro. Do you consider that a snub? Because I consider that a sub. <laughs> I, I consider that I would love to have had a vote. I don't know why that is. I mean, he's, he, it's not as if he plays on a small market. Um, the Bears defense going into, like, uh, before, like, the middle of the year, they were widely considered to be, you know, one of the better, not the best, one of the better defenses in the NFL. And they've really, they've really trailed off here. I mean, I think they finished the year, I think I wrote this on ESPN.com this week, I think they were 14th in points allowed per game and 11th in total yards allowed per game. That's not what we thought as people covering the Bears, but this is supposed to be a top five group, right? That, that was a consensus going into the season. And they have not, they have not achieved that. So, but I mean, he has, he has played really great football and he's played on prime time. Um, he's just, I don't know. He's a top 10 pick, you know? So yeah, I, I am very, I, I'm, I'm surprised by that. I, I don't get too bent out of shape about pro bowls or all pros or anything, but, but that was one where um, it did kind of be like, yeah, see that again, that's not, I don't think people are really, watching what they need to watch every week and maybe they're focused on other things because I think with Roquan Smith you just have to use the eye test to tell you uh, that he is probably one of the best if not the best inside linebackers in the NFL I'm with you I don't take pro bowls with as much as I take all pro so when the all pro snub him I'm like wait a minute that doesn't seem right and someone was it I forget who it was put his stats out on Twitter compared to the other guys and he blew him out of the water like if his, his stats were better and he wasn't named all pro it. I was, I was surprised, but moving on to beyond the playoffs here, let's look big picture. Look at the future. Cause I like looking at the future. Do you have any indication as to what could happen this off season with any changes? Like I know there are rumors flying around, but I feel like there's a lot of unknowns too. I think something will happen. I think, I think it will. I think, you know, if that's um, maybe a, a new uh, position above the general manager or perhaps uh, something happens with Ted Phillips in terms of maybe retirement or that's been talked about for a long time. Uh, the, the, the issue I've always felt that Maggie, this is year three. Um, you know, I, I think the offense has not been good and it's been better lately. Okay. But it's been hard to explain away in the last, the first half of the season, or I'd say first 10 games of the season and then last year. But, you know, Matt Nagy's 42 years old. This is the second playoff berth in three years. He's won a lot of games. He does a lot of things well. He does. People like him. And not every player is going to like a coach, Nick. That's just reality in the NFL. You know, I hear Kyle Long snipping about him, and I'm sure Mitch doesn't like him after being benched and everything. But for the most part, team likes him. Uh, he's enthusiastic. He's really good to people in the building. You know, so I, I just felt like, I think knowing the Bears, they would have been looking for more reasons to keep him than to let him go. Now with the front office, uh, eh, you know, this is their sixth year. This is their second playoff appearance as well, two or three. Uh, but this roster is going to have to undergo a lot of changes here. Salary cap's going to go down. A lot of contract decisions have to be made. 
got to figure out what's going on with your quarterback. But, you know, it's a COVID year, so they, they've lost a lot of money. It would cost them a lot of money because everyone's got at least a year left on their contract as far as the front office goes. Nagy's got two. Again, I don't think with Nagy and these coaches they just brought on, I, I don't think that's going to happen. But front office, you could could argue that, you know, maybe a change is, is, uh, is warranted. However, now there are so many teams – that have fired their GMs, that have already begun the interview process, the Bears would then get to the back of the line. Might be easier for them to keep it one more year there. I know it's not going to make Bears fans very happy, but I think something I think something needs to happen. Um, again, whether that's a, another maybe higher ranking position over the, the GM as, as far as um, on the football side, because I don't think, you know, when this is all said and done, they go out there on Sunday and lose to the Saints. Nick, would you say this has been a highly successful season? No. Right? Not at all. Right? I mean, not even at all. Not even close, right? No way. I mean, you start five and one, and you could potentially, and I'm not trying to not trying to say they're losing a game before they even play the game, because they could certainly win. If they lose, it would be eight out of eleven to end the year you lost. I don't think that's really very successful. So I think I think something will happen. I don't think it will be of the seismic nature that a lot of Bears fans are hoping for, put it that way. Yeah, I Bears Twitter is an interesting place. And some of the takes that have gone around there have they've made me laugh. And we're, we're talking with Jeff Dickerson of ESPN NFL Nation and Game Night on ESPN and Loyola TV analyst. One other piece of the future that I want to bring up to you, just indulge me here, JD. There's rumors about Deshaun Watson's future in Houston. What would you give up for Deshaun Watson? Well, Deshaun Watson's a franchise caliber quarterback. I mean, I think I would give up whatever I had to give up for him. Um, I can't imagine the Texans trade him. I know we said this about Khalil Mack and the Raiders a couple of years ago, but Khalil Mack's a pass rusher, and this is a quarterback. Why would Nick Casario, after all the years and all the overtures from teams to leave New England, why would he finally go walk into a situation that is really bad? I mean, this Jack Easter Bay is by whatever has screwed this up. Chaplin, new owner's bad. Cal McNair is not like his father. Why would you walk into that situation and then get rid of Deshaun Watson? I mean, it just it makes it makes no sense. Uh, I can't even imagine they would do it. And if they were to do it, I don't think you could possibly not do it for multiple first round picks this year. I mean, you got to have like immediate instant gratification if you're going to make a deal like that. And the Bears don't have that. And they have they have their first round pick, which will be was it nineteen twenty whatever it's going to be. And I think it's twenty now. Teams like the Jets, yeah, Jets and Jacksonville. We'll talk about teams that. Multiple firsts, uh, multiple seconds, thirds. They need quarterbacks, so I don't, I don't see the Bears fitting into this at all. I think it's, it's great for conversation. I think it's fun to talk about, uh, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't, get, I wouldn't get your hopes up because um, I just, I just, I can't believe that you know they're treating Deshaun Watson the way they are. Because Nick, I'm gonna tell you something. He's an awesome player. And they better be careful because how they, they've already screwed this up, trading DeAndre Hopkins away. Bill O'Brien was a disaster. The new guy's not good. Um, 
So they got to get this thing figured out. They're, they're not going to go anywhere as a franchise without their franchise quarterback. So they better find a way to smooth this thing over uh, because uh, the last thing they can afford to do, I don't think, is trade Deshaun Watson. So I should get Deshaun Watson out of my out of my dreams at night? Is that what you're saying here? Quit dreaming yeah, about you, it? Or? You the customized jersey got an NFL shop if you want to. <laughs> no, no one's going to stop you from doing that. I, I just think, you know, I try to be practical. And, um, but I did, look, I, I, I underestimated the Raiders' stupidity uh, for trading Khalil Mack. But they got a big haul for that. And now you see in year three that, that Mack has been good, but definitely not great. And he's got a huge cap number next year, $26 million for the Bears. And, uh, you know, they're going to have to eventually come to terms with that and figure out what they're going to do there with him. Uh, But this is a quarterback. I mean, quarterbacks are so hard to find, especially the great ones. He's a great one. Put it this way, Nick. This isn't Cutler with the Broncos. Like, Sean Watson is a different animal. Sean Watson is like, Next to J.J. Watt is like the king of Houston, right? Most popular guy on the team. Everyone loves him. He's a great player. He's clutch. This isn't Jay working his way out of Denver when they fired Mike Shanahan. So, if they listen, if they want to trade him, more power to him. Uh, but if they do want to trade him, I don't know if the Bears would have enough to get him. Fair enough. And I agree with you. I underestimated the Khalil Mack trade. So, who knows what can happen in the NFL, especially this year. I do want to get to your other area of expertise before we wrap up, because I think I know we've only done a couple games this year, just with football season and everything. What do you think of this year's Loyola team? Of the Ramblers, that's my pet project. We have got uh, Jordan and I have got. I know we have the Northern Iowa series. Oh, that'll be a good one. Big. I think that's in February. Trying to get because the schedule's changing a lot, as you know, very fluid right now in college basketball. So our schedule is a little bit uh, up in the air. I got to tell you, it is so refreshing for my soul to cover the Bears during my real world and then come to Loyola and, and cover that team and talk to Porter and the players. Um, I love I love that team. They are so deep. And Cameron Crutwig is the best big man, not just in the Valley, but the best big man in the country, best passing big man in the country. He can do whatever he wants. They're so deep in every position. I know there were some 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 issues in, in you know before conference play. Look, you're never going to run the table. It's not going to be perfect, but I don't think there's going to be Nick. And correct me if I'm wrong, because you're you're also the dean of the valley here. I don't think there are many valley teams that are going to match up with the Ramblers. Do you? I don't I don't see a lot of teams able to match up with them, especially since the injury uh, in Northern Iowa to their best player. I I think um, I would I. Can't wait to see what the NCAA does as far as the tournament this year. Um, I think the Ramblers will should get in. I think they should win the Valley and get in. And I'm not saying like it's going to be like a national Final Four run again or anything, but that's a team that I would not want to play. I mean, that's an experienced team with a great coach um, that has built a winning program, a winning foundation. They just know how to win. That would be a terrible draw for whoever gets them if they make the tournament, which I really do think. Um, I know talking to Porter, um, that's the hope this year. I mean, that, the expectation is they want to be back in the NCAA tournament. And I don't blame them. Well, let me start by saying I'm flattered, but I think Barry Hinson still takes the title of Dean of the Valley. So I, I think I got to give that one to Barry. I, I, <laughs> I, think, I think you might be edging up Barry at this point. 
<laughs> that's some that's some big shoes to fill if so but I'm, I'm really sad the drake series got postponed this weekend because i think drake's going to be the toughest matchup outside of maybe bradley for this team those teams are both playing at high levels and those are the two series i have circled for series of the year in the league yeah yeah no, so, no, yeah absolutely i mean drake has just been a, an excellent program last couple of years same thing with bradley i know and that's and it's um you know, the one thing with, with the Ramblers, and it was, it was so, it was so interesting to talk to Porter about this because, you know, when a team like Loyola has gone through COVID, like everyone, everyone had it and every coach had it, almost everyone had it. Um, you know, they're not going to shut down again. So they're, I mean, they're just in such a position where now it's like they get all amped up to play and it's dependent on the other team not to have, a COVID issue in their program. Um, it's just weird how how they sort of got through all that ahead of a lot of these other programs, and now they're kind of at the mercy of everybody else. I know, but you know what? I think it's a team that that when you're well coached and you got a great program, you roll with the punches, you can be disciplined, and uh, and they'll do what they have to do. But I think it's a very it's an exciting year for basketball in the state of Illinois too. I went to Illinois. Mm-hmm. I mean, Final Line and I are, are terrific this year. Um, Northwestern had big wins early on. I mean, North Illinois came back and smoked them the other night in the second half. But, you know, that's fun. I, I feel bad that Paul is really stuck in the mud as far as getting going. But but uh, great year for basketball in this state. And I, I just wish more people in Chicago love college basketball the way Nick, you and I do. Because uh, I love it. It's just everyone's like, ah, it's a pro town in Chicago. But, but it really shouldn't be. We've got – Great college basketball, and none better than the Ramblers the last couple of years in the quarter. I've been saying that for four years. I'm right there with you. I mean, the college teams in Illinois and in that town, I mean, it's, it is awesome that they're all on the rise. Even DePaul. I think DePaul's going to get there at some point with the new AD. You just got to take a little bit of time. Before I let you go, JD, thank you again for being so generous with your time. I have to ask, what's your prediction for Bears Saints? I think I, uh, okay, we have to turn our predictions in like by Wednesday, so I always forget because we have this like huge budget of things we got to do every week. And we always have to have like a prediction and some, it's either a bold prediction or something like, what did you know? And then a score. I had the saints 30 and the bears 21. Um, Mike triplet who covers the saints for ESPN, my counterpart in new Orleans, who's actually from Chicago. Um, I think Mike had the saints by seven or eight. So we're somewhere in that seven and nine point range is what we thought. So maybe the bears would cover, uh, but ultimately just don't think they, uh, just don't think that they have enough. And I just don't think they're playing defense well enough to upset a team like the saints uh, on the road, not the same Superdome that I, I I've lost my hearing in that building before many times. I've had wild moments in the Superdome. I had friends get arrested left and right in the sugar bowl back in 2001 when I was down there with Illinois. Um, no arrests in the press box when I'm there for my professional matters as a Bears reporter, but that's a really, really loud place. It's not going to be that way tomorrow because of the limited number of fans that they're letting in, uh, people that will be in the building. But still, I just – I don't see it. I think I think Drew Brees, you know, operates that offense at such high efficiency indoors. And if it was in Chicago, I might, get the, I might, might give the Bears a better chance to win. In New Orleans, though, I, I don't see it. So I had the Bears uh, – Losing 30-21. That means they'd cover. So I should probably look at that spread then if I'm going on tomorrow. But Don't blame me if you lose. No, I won't. I won't. I'll blame Triplett. <laughs> I'll do that. 
But we have been talking with Jeff Dickerson of ESPN.com NFL Nation covering the Bears. Hear him hosting game night Saturdays. J.D., thank you so much again for the time. This was a lot of fun, my friend. we got to do this again sometime. You bet, Nick. Uh, have a great rest of your day. Enjoy the Bears game tomorrow, okay? Appreciate it. Thanks. That was Jeff Dickerson of ESPN NFL Nation. I could talk to him all day. We probably could have done a full hour-long show together yesterday. That was so great. That interview is up on the podcast feed, the Sunday Sports Shootout interview feed, so feel free to go listen to that on Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. I love talking to Jeff Dickerson. I'm glad I can call him a friend. I'm glad he had time to come on and talk football with me yesterday. As we hit the bottom of the hour, I'm a little late, but want to remind you, you're listening to the Sunday Sports Shootout on WLUWFM 88.7, broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University. I'm coming to you from my garage in Dwight, Illinois. Just a couple notes from that interview, which again, a lot of good stuff from JD. And it sounds like we're in agreement that the Bears are going to cover that 10.5 spread today. Again, no Roquan Smith or Darnell Mooney today for the Bears. That is huge. I mean, that came out. I started talking to JD maybe two minutes after that came out, after the injury report came out. That's huge. Like losing Roquan Smith, who I still think should have been Pro Bowl, All Pro, etc. We we talked about it. That's a huge loss for a defense that's already struggling. And we saw that last week against the Packers. That not sure how the defense is going to adjust without him today. Granted, like JD said. You're not facing Aaron Rodgers this week. You're facing Drew Brees. They're different quarterbacks. They're, they're great in different ways. And Darnell Mooney being out, hopefully that means more targets to Allen Robinson. He was, I think he was targeted once before like the late third quarter, early fourth quarter last week, which is insane that you've got a quarterback like Mitchell Trubisky who's not – I keep wanting him to – be better. I keep wanting. I keep wanting to buy into the Mitch is playing better. Mitch is playing better mentality that Matt Nagy's throwing out there. If you're not throwing to your number one wide receiver target, something is wrong. I know Darnell Mooney had a great game. That's great. But when Darnell Mooney went out, all of a sudden, then you start finding your number one guy. Like Darnell Mooney is your number two guy. Throw to your number one guy in Allen Robinson. I think he's going to be more present today with Darnell Mooney out. So any chance of a W? I'm not sure. I really. I'm not sure. If the defense was playing at the level it could play at, I'd be more optimistic. But the defense has not been playing to where they should be. And it's kind of been a trend throughout the year. Like the defense is getting worn down game after game. And I, I wanted to ask I wanted to ask Jeff about this, but I wasn't I wasn't sure just because of the unknowns with the answer he gave about the future of Pace and Neggy and what could happen in the front office. Is this game a referendum, essentially, on Chuck Pagano? Because I, personally, think there needs to be a changing of the guard at defensive coordinator next year. I think I said that last week. I really think there needs to be a new face running that defense next year. Chuck Pagano, I'll be honest, I wasn't sure who you would get to replace Vic Fangio. I mean, Vic Fangio had that defense. If you were hearing, now, it apples and oranges, but the comparisons were out there with the 85 Bears. Granted, the 85 defense was best defense of all time. I mean, the, the 2018 Bears were not the 85 Bears, but the comparisons were out there because you're in Chicago, and they, they like comparing. But that 18 defense was great. It was a Super Bowl caliber defense. Now, in 2021, that defense is not what it was back then, and I think Chuck Pagano was a good replacement for Vic Fangio, but it's not working now. And it 
it killed me a little bit to see Leonard Floyd lighting it up yesterday for the LA Rams against Seattle. You kept hearing his name. You saw him in the stat sheet. That that was like a knife in the heart to me because I mean I liked Leonard Floyd, and I thought he had a lot of potential. And I I don't think he I don't think he fit into Pagano's scheme, which I'm not really sure what Pagano's scheme is anymore with these three man rushes and dropping Mac into coverage when he's a pass rusher. Doesn't help that Robert Quinn hasn't been there this year. Paying him a lot of money, he's been here and there, but not what we expected him to be. But all in all, I think if there's anything to change after this season, new defensive coordinator. I don't have a name. I haven't done that much research into it, if I'm being completely honest. You don't know what's going to happen in the coaching carousel. But I really think a new defensive coordinator would do wonders for this Bears defense. And the defense is why I'm not very confident in a victory today. I mean, Alvin Kamara is back from the COVID list. I mean, my man got six touchdowns on Christmas. Michael Thomas is back in the lineup. So you got Kamara and Thomas with Drew Brees at quarterback. And don't sleep on Taysom Hill. I like Taysom Hill. I don't want to, but I do. I like Taysom Hill out of the Wildcat. He's dangerous. So not a lot going in the Bears' favor today. I want to go back to last week for a second because Jeff and I kind of touched on it. The interceptions last week, there were at least at least three that should have been caught but weren't caught. I think I don't think the Bears came up with a single pick against Aaron Rodgers. They should have had three. That was one reason the Bears lost that game. Another reason they lost that game. I am thoroughly convinced that Matt Nagy had Cairo Santos in his fantasy league in the championship last week. You don't settle for field goals against Aaron Rodgers. I know he was close to the Bears franchise record for consecutive kicks. I, I get that. That's not the game to get him the record. That's the game you play for a touchdown. And you could have played for touchdowns. Instead, you were settling for field goals. And then, outside of the one time, and this leads into reason number three the Bears lost last week, that last fourth and one on the Green Bay 25-yard line in the fourth quarter, why in the world are you going out of the shotgun? I have the play-by-play up here right now. The way now the, the way you beat the Packers, it's not easy to do, but there is a way to beat the Packers, and the Bears were executing it well. Control the time of possession. And the Bears were doing that. The, their last big drive last week, the one that ended on the Green Bay 25-yard line, lasted eight minutes and four seconds. Let's walk you through this drive. All told, there were three fourth and one drives, or fourth and one plays. The first one was out of the shotgun, which again, I sat there saying, why are you going out of the shotgun? But it worked. Darnell Mooney got two yards for a first down. The second one, Trubisky, under center, sneaks it for a yard. Good. That's what you're supposed to do on fourth and one with a quarterback who can run. And then you're on the 25-yard line. You're marching. You've got a chance to change the game. Because at the time, the score was 21-16. to This was still a winnable game. Trubisky out of the gun. I... I I stood there saying, first thing I said, why are you going out of the shotgun? And then it was a bootleg to Allen Robinson that was broken up. Incomplete turnover on downs. Why would you not trust your quarterback who has legs, who can run, 
to get you a yard. If you want, put Montgomery behind him. Have him push. That play was the third and final, and I would even argue, you, you could argue that was the biggest reason the Bears lost that game. Outside of the field goals. I think the field goals too. But uh, I, keep, I keep talking about how the play calling has improved since Matt Nagy gave it up to Bill Lazor. And I really do think that. I thought last week there were a lot of good play calls, but that fourth and one at the 25 was as bad a play call as you get, and it changed the game. The Bears had the momentum. And then, naturally, you give it back to Aaron Rodgers, 75 yards downfield, touchdown. 12 plays, seven-and-a-half-minute drive. That game was winnable last week. But that fourth and one play, it, it did him in. And again, you don't settle for field goals against Aaron Rodgers. Something else that came out today, and this was just this morning, and I, I feel like at this point I should call this a weekly hit from Ian Rappaport. I think this is like the third, definitely the second week in a row, maybe even the third week in a row, I played some sort of clip from Ian Rappaport about the Chicago Bears. There's an update on, the, I guess, kind of an update of sorts, on Mitchell Trubisky's future with the Bears. And I, I want to play this clip. This I think this was on NFL Game Day today on the NFL Network. This is Ian Rappaport talking about Mitchell Trubisky's future with the Bears and how that could be impacted by today's game. Well, Kurt, let's talk about the future of Mitch Trubisky. At one point, the Bears were certain he was their future, their franchise quarterback. Now, from what I understand, still has a lot to prove to get there. And obviously, a big stage now uh, to do it. Here are the things working against Mitch Trubisky as he tries to remain the franchise quarterback for the Bears. He had his fifth-year option declined. He's been benched. Obviously, he struggled last week. He's had his moments, but from what I understand, there's nothing certain the Bears are not set right now on bringing him back. Perhaps, Rich, if he wins and keeps winning, he can change their mind. Still a lot of work to do for Trubisky. That was Ian Rappaport. You heard it. Maybe Mitch's future is decided by today's game and what happens in the playoffs. Personally, I, I there have been a lot of Bears fans, and I know Matt Nagy's done it too, whether he'll admit it or not. There are a lot of people who have talked themselves back into Mitchell Trubisky. I will admit, I was on the brink of it. I was close. I wasn't. Re- last week's game was going to determine a lot. It would be best, and I th- I'm pretty sure the Bears are going to lose today. I think it's best to move on from Trubisky for his sake and for the Bears' sake. I mean, I remember when he got drafted, he got booed out of the gate. I'll never forget that. And he's been kind of a kind of a punchline in town lately. And I think it's best for both sides. Then, I don't know what's going to happen with Pace and Nagy. And I, I know you hear J.D. say, it could be a position above the GM, which is something I've heard rumored around. If that's the case, Nagy stays. I want Nagy to pick the next quarterback because I trust Matt Nagy's vision in quarterbacks. He saw something in Deshaun, or in uh, Patrick Mahomes that I didn't because I've never heard of the kid. 
So I trust what Matt Nagy sees in quarterbacks. Now, when he talks up Mitch to the media, he's doing his job as head coach. He's not going to say, oh, our quarterback sucks. No, he's not going to do that. He's doing his job. But I want him to pick the next quarterback. But I definitely think it's best for both sides if Mitch moves on after this year. The Bears, as you heard Rappaport say, didn't pick up his fifth-year option. I don't know if an extension's going to happen. But it's time to move on. A good replacement, or actually as good a replacement as you can get, would be Deshaun Watson. I know J.D. told me to keep dreaming in a way, but I give, give the Texans whatever they want. I mean, this has been developing all week. And Chris Mortensen, right before I came on the air, he tweeted, reports about Deshaun Watson's unhappiness with the Houston Texans are accurate, and sources close to the quarterback say he is still angry about the team's insensitivity to social justice, including hiring practices, after the franchise failed to interview Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy this past week. Pause. How do you not interview Eric Bieniemy? To me, he's the top candidate for any head coaching job. If I could handpick a guy to replace Matt Nagy if the Bears decided to go that route, it'd be Eric Bieniemy. He's the he's the best out there. So, not interviewing him is just plain stupid. But there's more here. Sources say Watson could play hardball with the Texans about a trade. His new one hundred fifty-six million dollar contract includes a no trade clause, but informed speculation from a source is that he would consider the Miami Dolphins, in which Tua Tagovailoa. An additional compensation goes to Houston. Let the denials begin, but it will be an off-season story, a puzzle of sorts, that promises some drama. Now, that's from Chris Mortensen, who, outside of maybe, and this is maybe Adam Schefter, is as connected as anybody in football. Give the Texans whatever they want. If it means Khalil Mack, give them Khalil Mack. If they want part ownership of Portillo's, give them that. If they want a street named after Deshaun Watson, make it happen. Give the Texans whatever they want. I mean, name your, it literally, blank check, name your price. Give them whatever they want. And I don't think that's a bold take at all. You're not talking Dak Prescott here. I keep hearing Dak Prescott's name and possibly a trade to the Bears in the future. No. No, no, no. He might be a stopgap, but he's not the answer. Deshaun Watson would be the answer. He was the answer five years ago. Or four years ago, whenever that draft was. He was the answer then, and the Bears blew it because Ryan Pace drafted the wrong guy. Now, there's a chance for a do-over here. I'm a big fan of the great Gatsby. You can't repeat the past. You can't repeat the past? Well, of course you can. You have a chance to redo this. You have a chance to say, we screwed up. We want to fix it. I don't know if he's going to want to come to the Bears. He's got the no trade clause. I'm not sure if he wants to. But if I'm Ryan Pace, I'd be making a lot of lot different decisions, but I would be on the phone with Nick Casario. Name your price. Everybody's on the table. So we'll keep you updated on that. That's going to be developing all offseason. And it's going to be, Twitter's going to be lighting up. It's like 
like Mort said, this is going to be an off-season storyline. They're going to deny it, but it's going to be an off-season storyline. I've talked a lot of football, and I've only got 12 minutes left. I do want to address some bowl stuff, but first I want to get to Corey Crawford's retirement yesterday. That was big news in Chicago sports and in hockey. Ten-year career, two Stanley Cups. He's had two major concussions. I really thought he'd have retired after the second concussion. But I'm glad he... I know he wanted to play. I, I, I loved his passion for the game and how he wanted to keep playing. I'm glad he's hanging up his skates. He can spend more time with his family. He doesn't have to worry about getting hurt anymore. I know Mark Lazarus was tweeting yesterday about how the second concussion really changed Corey because he couldn't spend time with his kid. He had to spend time in dark rooms because he was concussed, severely concussed. I'm really surprised he didn't retire sooner, but I'm, I'm glad he chose now. Now, that said, why is he retiring a New Jersey Devil? Is Stan Bowman smart? <laughs> is Stan Bowman smart? I mean that. Is Stan Bowman smart? Give him a one-day contract. He should not retire a New Jersey Devil. He should retire a Chicago Blackhawk. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It would be good for the Blackhawks. It would be good for Corey. Maybe bring him on as an ambassador or something. You need to do something. It is a crime that he's not retiring a Blackhawk right now. Right now it's looking like he's going to retire a Devil. No, he needs to retire a Blackhawk. Now, I've been a critic of Corey Crawford over the years. I will admit it. I th- I've been hypercritical, too critical of Corey Crawford over the years, over his career in Chicago. But you can't deny two Stanley Cups, one of, I, I can, you would say one of, he's not the best, but one of the best goalies in Hawks history. I saw someone today retire his number. Absolutely. You need to do something besides have him retire a devil. Michael Jordan. I don't want to equate the two because Corey's not the greatest of all time, but hear me out. Michael Jordan retired a Washington Wizard. And I know there, there were issues with the front office and Michael. Don't make the same mistake with one of the most beloved Blackhawks of the last 10 years. Retire a Blackhawk and stay with the team in some capacity. That's what needs to happen. Like I said, that's if Stan Bowman's smart. <laughs> I always I chuckle when I say that, but if he's smart, that's what he does. Even if it's just for even if it's the PR team telling him to do it, do it. It would be great. Other news yesterday, Kyle Schwarber signed a one-year, $10 million contract with the Washington Nationals, reuniting him with Davey Martinez, former Cubs bench coach and manager in Washington. That's the end of an era. I remember watching him hit the home run on top of the scoreboard when during my senior year of high school because that was in the fall of 2015. I remember watching him hit that home run onto the top of the right field video board, and that's one of my favorite baseball memories. And what he did in 2016, coming back from the torn ACL in the third game of the season to play in the World Series, is one of the best stories in baseball in at least the last 10 years, I'd say. I remember watching the injury happen and thinking we wouldn't see him again 
but there he was in the World Series, almost helping carry the Cubs over Cleveland. So this is the true end of an era that Kyle Schwarber is gone. It was, I mean, it's not, it's not surprising. Notice you don't hear surprise in my voice. It wasn't surprising when they wouldn't sign him for a $7 million option, and instead he goes and signs for $10 million. He probably would have taken a hometown discount, but the Ricketts family's trying to cut costs. That's why Jed's not hiring a GM. At least that's why I think they're not hiring a GM. But I'm glad he found a good situation in Washington. Good to see him back with Davey Martinez, too. And I, you got to wish him all the best. He's going to go down in Cubs history, especially for what he did to help them win the World Series in 2016. And he was just a good dude. That's the other thing. He was a good guy. Same with Corey Crawford. They're both good guys. On to the Bulls real quick. A lot of growth this week. Bulls nearly beat the Lakers and the Kings. They probably would have beaten the Kings if Tyrese Halliburton didn't just go ballistic in the fourth quarter. They did beat the Blazers. And obviously... The Lakers didn't have Anthony Davis, but still good signs for this Bulls team considering they're not at full strength. Lavery Markkinen, Tomas Sadoransky, Chandler Hutchison, and Ryan Archidiakono have all been out on due to COVID protocols. Or, I'm sorry, NBA health and safety protocols is what they call it. I didn't make the name. It's vague that that's what the NBA is going with. But the fact that they weren't at full strength and have taken these biggest steps... I've seen people on Twitter, hey, maybe the Bulls are a playoff team. I've been saying that for two months now since they hired Billy Donovan. This is a playoff team. They're not top five seed. They're going to be one of the low seeds in the East, but this is a playoff team. If they had Lowry Markkinen, I'll say it. If they had Lowry Markkinen, they'd have beaten the Kings. They'd have beaten the Lakers. And again, the Lakers didn't have Anthony Davis. That is a big, that's a big, Disclaimer, that they didn't have Anthony Davis. But even so, that's the defending champions. And they should have won that game. And that game left LeBron James impressed. Patrick Williams, fourth overall pick in the draft this year, in one week had to guard Giannis Antetokounmpo in Milwaukee and LeBron James in L.A. Two of the best players, maybe the two best players in the game. Right now, Patrick Williams had to guard as a rookie. And I thought he did really well with both of them. Now, LeBron's, what, what is that, like a turnaround fade that he's got? That is, I, even on the broadcast, Adam Amin kept saying it. That's an unguardable shot. So I don't fault Patrick Williams for LeBron putting it, what he's, what he had, 28? That's LeBron James. But my buddy Rob Schaefer at NBC Sports jumped on the Lakers Zoom call and talked to LeBron about Patrick Williams. Here's what LeBron had to say about the Rook. Quote, I think he's going to be an exceptional talent. Long arms, he has Kawhi-type hands that I noticed out on the floor, so I knew I couldn't play with the ball much. And you could tell that he's just laser sharp on trying to get better and better. And let's jump to another quote talking about uh, Patrick Williams' on-court demeanor. LeBron said, quote, He didn't say much at all. He just stayed sharp on the game plan. I think he's going to continue to get better and better. Has a great in-between game. But if you notice his hands, though, he has, like I said, Kawhi-like hands. That's going to benefit him a lot throughout the course of this season, throughout the course of of his career. And there was another quote from LeBron that said, The Bulls got a good one. 
I think Chicago has a good one, is exactly how he put it. That is an endorsement from the king. Those words should not be taken lightly. Patrick Williams is going to be a stud. Yes, watching Tyrese Halliburton light up the Bulls hurt a little bit because the Bulls did pass up on him. I like what I'm seeing from Patrick Williams. I think he's going to be a really big piece for this team going forward, and I think Arturis hit a home run with this pick. He's very raw. There's a lot to improve on. I would like him to develop more range instead of uh, his. He's lethal with his corner three fake dribble in pull up jumper. It's like a 21 foot pull up jumper that he has. He is lethal with that. He needs more confidence from three. He needs to learn to shoot it instead of just shot fake dribble up 20 foot pull up. But that'll come. He's only played what 11 games. That'll come. But he looks this good. 11 games in. And the Kawhi-type hands, Bulls play the Clippers tonight. We'll see how that matchup goes, if we hear from Kawhi himself. If I'm reading this right, if I'm gathering for the last few games right, Lil Kawhi is going to be guarding Kawhi. That's going to be a good matchup. I think that game's a 3 o'clock tip, so there's going to be Bulls and Bears going on at the same time. So probably had double screen for that one. But I'm on the Patrick Williams bandwagon. I'm on the hype train. This kid's going to be something. I have no doubt about it. All right, I got two minutes left. That's just enough time for a Bears prediction. No Roquan Smith or Darnell Mooney today. Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas are back for New Orleans, but they're without their best pass rusher in Trey Hendrickson. So both teams beat up. The spread is Saints by 10.5. I think the Saints win, but I don't think they cover. Saints, 28, Bears, 20. That's my prediction for today. Again, 340 kickoff on CBS. Jim Nance and Tony Romo on the call. Or if you want to watch on Nickelodeon. I guess this game's on Nickelodeon day. (laughs) I didn't think you'd ever have NFL on Nickelodeon. But, I mean, whatever works. I know they're trying to appeal to a younger audience. So, I mean, it... Are they going to bring back the Fairly Odd Parents for this one, too, to appeal to, like, my generation? I mean, is SpongeBob going to be there? What about Jimmy Neutron? Is that, are they going to be there, too? Am I dating myself here with these old Nickelodeon references? Because that's the content I want if you're going to put a football game on Nickelodeon. So if you don't want to watch Tony Romo and Jim Nance call the game, you can turn on Nickelodeon if you want. If you're into that, I won't judge I mean, I got I got to work tonight, and if, if someone wants the game on and they want the Nickelodeon feed, I'm, I, I'm not going to say no. It's, you're still watching the game. But whatever, whatever floats your boat. But either way, it's a 340 kickoff no matter what channel you're watching it on. First up on ESPN and ABC is Ravens-Titans. That's going to be a good game too. A lot of good games today on Wild Card Sunday. But... As I said, going back to my prediction, I don't think the Bears make it out of the wild card round. I think they lose 28-20 today. And then, starting tomorrow, there's going to be conversations about, is Ted Phillips coming back as president? Is Ryan Pace coming back as GM? I think Matt Nagy is staying. That seems to be the consensus from reporters in the game, and even fans are starting to come to grips with that. So I think Nagy stays. But I, I really do think... One or both of Ted Phillips and Ryan and or Ryan Pace will be gone. 
those conversations will probably have to start tomorrow because I, I don't think the Bears win today. I will gladly be wrong. I will happily be wrong if they win this game today, but that's where I'm at. I'm out of time. 340 kickoff today. Follow along on Twitter. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you to Jeff Dickerson for taking the time to come on and talk playoff football. We'll, we'll be talking Bears again next week, win or lose, so tune in for that. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy, wear a mask. Missouri Valley Live coming up tomorrow night on my Twitter page after the round of Missouri Valley basketball games. Tune in for that. If I don't see you tomorrow, I will see you next Sunday. Have a great week, everybody. Get you back to your independent music here on WLUW 88.7 FM, broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University.